0: Hi, this is Pastor Joshua Morocco, and you are listening to our King's Central Podcast. I hope you get encouraged. I hope the Word of God brings transformation to your life and empowers you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the Word. What a beautiful day this is. Thank you, Dr. Morocco, for your gracious greeting. And what an absolute light to be back in Kingsway Cathedral in beautiful Maui. Congratulations on the 41st anniversary of gospel ministry by these two precious saints of God, Dr. Max. For those of you who worship here, please know that Dr. Morocco and his gracious wife, Colleen, are treasures to the body of Christ in America and the world. You are very fortunate to have these people as your spiritual shepherds. They are loved, they are highly honored as respected servants of God all over the world. Dr. Morocco is a loving shepherd. He's gracious, he's blessed, he has the wisdom of Solomon to be a leader to our nation in a time of moral and spiritual corruption. He's the state leader of Christians United for Israel, as he said, that now has over 10 million active members. He's the most powerful pro-Israel organization in the United States. God bless you, Dr. Morocco and Colleen, for all that you do for the kingdom of God. Dr. Wood, we are honored by your presence, sir. And let me tell you that I owe a debt of gratitude to the General Council of the Assemblies of God as a person. My mother and father were ordained pastors in the Assemblies of God all the days of their life. When I was attending Southwestern as a teenager, some of the most heroic, brave, and foolish people in the world were Pentecostal pastors who invited me to come into their pulpit and preach. That took courage, my friend. (laughs) <laughs> and over the years, going through all of those churches in Texas, Oklahoma, uh, anywhere that you could drive from Southwestern in an eight-hour period, uh, was, a, was a great honing of all that God hoped that I would become. Dr. Woods, thank you and God bless you uh, and the general counsel of the Assemblies of God for who you are and what you're doing. In America and the world. Could we have a warm applause for him, please? Open your Bibles, please, to Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, as we talk today about discovering the prosperity of first fruits, chapter 23. The seven feasts of the Lord, as presented in the first covenant, which is called the Old Testament. Give a divine blueprint of the future of the world. St. Paul said in Colossians 2, 16, that the feasts are a shadow of things to come. Understand that Paul was speaking to the New Testament Gentile church. And he said, you need to know what these feasts are about, because they also predict the future. The word feast in Hebrew is moed, and it means a set time, and there's appointed time. The next big thing that's going to happen is the rapture of the church, which is the Feast of Trumpets. It's going to be at a set time that God has already chosen from the genesis of time. Another Hebrew word connected to the feast is mikra, which means rehearsal or recital. The point is God is showing us through these seven feasts a rehearsal of the future at an exact time. Get this thought in your mind, the Old Testament is God's will concealed, the New Testament is God's will revealed. What is in the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. They are connected together, inseparable, because the Word of God begins at Genesis 1 and 1, not Matthew 1 and 1. So, we talk today about the law of first fruits. Read with me. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you and reap the harvest, then you shall bring a, she- a sheaf of first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath. The priest shall wave it. Father God, thank you for the joy of God's word. Thank you for the joy of the seven feasts. Thank you for the revelation knowledge that they represent about the future and the past. And let us today experience an explosion of God's supernatural prosperity over this congregation for their zeal to win the lost for Christ. For well, the word of God said, he that when a souls his wife, rise. Bless this congregation beyond their capacity to contain it, because they are doing exactly the work of God. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's children said amen. You may be seated. The principle, first principle is, in the word of God, from Genesis 1 and 1 until this day, God must Be first. Say that with me. God must be first. The Bible says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. Why do we worship on Sunday? Because Sunday is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. It's the first day of the week, it's the first fruits of the week. For your success, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, to be in the plan of God, you must be in the house of God on Sunday morning. Forsake not the assuming of yourselves together, because what happens to you spiritually and emotionally on the Lord's day determines the quality of the remainder of that week. First fruit sanctify the following fruit. Think about that. First fruits sanctify the following fruit. Putting God first in your life establishes His Lordship. If God is not first, then He is not Lord. And if He is not Lord, there is no blessing, there is no favor, there is no prosperity. And you live under financial curse. That's not my opinion. The prophet Malachi says that in chapter 3, verse 8. What does it mean to be First. First is preceding all others in time or order of importance. Listen, first does not mean number one. How many of you have seen during football season or basketball season some football players raise their hand and say, we're number one, and they haven't won a game in ten weeks. One does not, first does not mean one. It does not mean the only one. Nothing can be first unless there is something else to be the first one of. If you go to a track meet, I'll put it this way, if you go to a track meet and no one else shows up and you run the 100-yard dash, you win, but you didn't come in first because there was no one else running. You have, there has to be something to make you first. First fruits offering of the first grain harvested in Israel. If you did not bring your first fruits to the Lord's house, there would not be an additional fruit of your harvest. Fact, God is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. God created Adam and Eve and placed them in paradise of the Garden of Eden. Adam went to sleep, he woke up married. I mean, it's enough to make you an insomniac for that to happen. They didn't have to work 60 hours a week. They didn't have to drive through traffic jams created by this ravishing speed limit of 45 miles an hour. I'll pass right over that. It didn't have to wrestle with the IRS or socialist candidates for president talking about taxing you for 70% of your income. Would to God that we could live by that simple biblical law. If you don't work for it, you don't deserve it. There was only one, com- There's only one command in this. Leave the fruit on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the only rule God gave to Adam and Eve. It was forbidden fruit. Why did God create that tree? He knew they were going to do that. Why did he create the tree? The answer is to see what Adam, and Eve, what Adam and Eve would do to put God first when Satan came to tempt them. The temptation, listen, to put their will above God's will. God's will was leave it alone. Satan said, if you'll just take a little bite, you'll be as smart as God. The point When your desires, your plans, your ideas become more important to you than God's plan, you have adopted the attitude of Lucifer. You are challenging God's authority over your life and over your future. Think about that. The fact that you can have an attitude of Lucifer and confess to be a Christian is in the Bible. The fact when Jesus and his 12 disciples were rejected by the Samaritan, James and John asked Jesus for permission to, quote, call fire from heaven and let's burn them up. As Christians, we really don't need to be burning each other up. There's too few of us right now. Jesus turned to them and said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Listen to what he says. You don't know what manner of spirit you're of. Luke 9, 55. Satan has come to rob, to kill and destroy. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you're in this building and you have never received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, I challenge you to do it today because until you know the Lord, you're really not living. It's really a great joy to be born again and know that you're on the way to heaven. Give the Lord praise in the house of God. But the point of this is to say that the the disciples who were following the Son of God had the attitude of Lucifer when they had the best spiritual guidance in the world because they themselves were driven by their own will. Peter had Lucifer's attitude in the garden of Gethsemane. Peter said to Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross. We will take up swords and we will defend you. Jesus looked at Peter and said, get thou behind me, Satan. That was a rebuke. Get behind me. Why? Peter wanted his will. He wanted to be someone in that kingdom he thought would be physical, Jesus wanted God's will, what's the cross? From the foundations of the earth, Jesus was destined for the cross. St. Paul's warning to Christians in Colossians 2.23 about will worship. Let me say this clearly, will worship is idolatry. And the God of will worship is the face you see in the mirror, yourself. How do you know it if your attitude is controlled by Satan? When you refuse to put God first, when your will is not God's will, God's will is in his word. God's word and his will are one and the same thing. They never disagree. The Lord's prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will accomplished in this earth when those of us who call ourselves Christian start doing the will of God? Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. If something in your life is amiss, you need to check whose pattern you're following, whose will you're obeying. Satan did not do the will of God, and he was kicked out of heaven. Adam and Eve did not do the will of God. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Noah's generation did not do the will of God, and he drowned every human being on the face of the earth that wasn't on that ark. When the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all all these things shall be added unto you, that's not a recommendation, that's a command. Lord, help your children to do your will and your will alone. Give the Lord praise in the house. If Jesus is not first, he's not Lord. And if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. What about my rights? I I hear young people say that often who come to my church who are fresh out of some liberal university. What about my rights? Let me help you with that. You don't have any. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I do what what I'm told, when I'm told, like I'm told, and here's the playbook. You are a servant. And when you lose the spirit of a servant, you have lost the will of God. I think meekness is something that's grossly underestimated in the body of Christ. The Bible Bible says you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. The blood of Christ at the cross has paid for your redemption. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Our purpose is to live and breathe, to bring glory and honor to his holy name, to build his kingdom by the winning of the lost, and get the church triumphant ready for the next explosive thing that's coming down the track called the rapture of the church. The rapture is imminent. Get ready. The king of kings is coming to this earth. Why did God choose Abraham to be the father of all believe because he understood the law of first fruits. When Abraham tied Isaac and placed him on the altar of sacrifice, the angel of the Lord stopped him. Genesis 22:12. The Living Bible renders that verse, I know Abraham that God is first in your life. I ask you that question. Is God first in your life? Only when you put God first is God able to fulfill His promises. Only when God is first does He pour out His favor upon you. Only when God is first does prosperity come to you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Only when God is first do the blessings of the Lord be multiplied to you without number. Only when God is first does peace that surpass all understanding become your possession. Only when God is first do you have hope in the midst of the storm. Only when God is first is there joy unspeakable and filled with glory. Only when God is first do you give the angels charge over You to protect you in all of your way. Only when God is first will he remove mountains of impossibility. Only when God is first will he open doors of opportunity. Only when God is first will he scatter your enemies like the shucks of the summer threshing floor. Let God arise and let him be first. Give the Lord praise in this house. God's law of first things. In Exodus, the 34th chapter, verse 19, God established a system of sacrifice in which animals were to be burned as an offering upon the altar. In Leviticus 1, God designated five animals as clean, acceptable sacrifices. Those animals were oxen, goats, sheep, pigeons, and turtle doves. The animal that you sacrificed was a direct reflection of your financial ability. If you were financially well off, you would have an oxen slaughtered. If you were just married, you would probably try to get turtle doves, because that's all you could afford. Translation, 21st century. You drive up to this church with a Mercedes with hinges so they can turn the corner and the offering comes by and you put in 10 bucks, shame on you, shame on you. If you can afford that Mercedes, God's blessings are on you. And if you don't honor God with your substance, God will put you in a wheelbarrow and see how that works. Because God plays that way. There are five clean animals It is important to notice that there were five kinds of animals sacrificed by Abraham when God gave the Jewish people the land of Israel forever. That happened in Genesis 15. Why? Because Exodus 4.22 states, Israel is my son, even my firstborn son. Did you know that Israel was God's firstborn son? And God still has that relationship with Israel. The land of Israel has been given to the Jewish people by blood covenant, according to Genesis 15 and 17. And that blood covenant cannot be broken by the United Nations, by the European Union, by the Congress of the United States of America. The Jewish people do not occupy the land of Israel. They own the land of Israel, so says the living God. Give the Lord praise in the house. In the law of first fruits, everything is either sacrificed or redeemed. Get those two words in your mind. Everything is either sacrificed or redeemed. Exodus 13 2. Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of men and beast, it is mine. Exodus 13 2. According to the Old Testament law, the firstborn was to be either sacrificed or redeemed. Fast forward to the New Testament. That law still lives. John the Baptist sees Jesus walking to the banks of the Jordan River to be baptized. And he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John 1, 29. The Lamb of God came to be sacrificed because he was the firstborn son. Jesus was God's only begotten son. He had to be sacrificed or redeemed. God allowed his son, a man, lamb without spot or blemish to be sacrificed for your sins and my sins. Your sin is buried at the bottom of the sea, never to be remembered against you anymore. I don't care what you've done in your past. If you've had an experience with the blood of Jesus Christ, you're as pure and holy as the blood of Jesus Christ can make you. Give the Lord praise in the house. If you don't accept Christ as your substitute on the cross, then you have to die for your own sins, and that's a pathetic substitute for the Son of God. What do you do with donkeys? Don't raise your hands and don't look at your relatives right now. What if you had a donkey and you didn't have a lamb to redeem it? That's the Scripture. Listen closely, it's very important. Exodus 13, 13, every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem it by a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. That's in the Bible. Why would killing a donkey be beneficial to you? Because in the scripture, a donkey is a symbol of rebellion and stubbornness. Rebellion and stubbornness. Listen to 1 Samuel fifteen twenty-three. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And if there's a spirit that's sweeping America right now, it's the spirit of stubbornness and witchcraft and iniquity and idolatry, and it must be conquered by the preaching of the word of God and the blood of the cross. The formula is rebellion equals witchcraft and stubbornness is idolatry. I want to say that again. Rebellion equals witchcraft and stubbornness is as idolatry. That's God's Word. Have you rebelled against God's Word? The law of giving the first fruits. Is there a donkey in your life that needs to be removed? Listen to this. Whatever is done with the first portion determines what happens to all the rest. Isaac was the firstborn of Abraham. As the firstborn, he was to be redeemed or sacrificed. When Abraham and Isaac came to the top of Mount Moriah, Isaac was tied and placed on a stone altar. This was an altar of God's choosing. God sent a ram, tied the ram by the horns in the thicket to redeem this firstborn son. When the first fruit was given, it brings a mighty harvest of prosperity. Whatever is done with the first portion determines what happens to all the rest. Now keep that in your mind while I make this next reply. You go to church on the first day of the week. It determines the quality of the rest of your week. You give God the tithe first and God blesses what is left. Isaac was first fruits. He had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob had 12 sons and their descendants became became King David and Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul. The Jewish people became the 12 tribes of Israel. They wrote this book. Every word in this book was written by Jewish people. Christianity owes the Jewish people a debt of gratitude. Paul makes that statement very clearly in Romans 15, 27. Because of the first fruit, Isaac on Mount Moriah had been given to the Lord. So what happened? When the Jewish people went into deep, deep persecution in Egypt, they prospered, they grew, they became a nation of almost two million people. The point is, even in the most severe persecution that you can imagine, they grew, they prospered, they became stronger and God delivered them and he left them out of Egypt with wagons loaded down with gold and silver and health that would never go wrong, a cloud by day and fire by night because when you're the first fruits and you're blessed, All the forces of hell cannot defeat you. Give the Lord a shout of praise in the house. God's feeling about the firstborn. Consider the Exodus. God told Moses in Exodus four, you go to Pharaoh and say, thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, Indeed, I will kill your son, the firstborn. That's God's word. You don't think God plays hardball. Let me tell you this. The only thing that matches the love of God is the wrath of God. We love to preach the love of God because we hope it's coming to us. But I assure you, when you rebel against the law of God, the wrath of God will consume you. The nation of Israel came from Isaac, the son of Promise, the firstborn who was redeemed. Redeemed property always prospers. Say that with me. Redeemed property always prospers. Pharaoh rejected Moses' request to let Israel, the firstborn son, go. God sent ten plagues to Egypt and literally wiped them out economically. The tenth plague was the death of the firstborn in Egypt. The firstborn of children and cattle died that night. Exodus 12, 30 says, There was a loud wailing in Egypt, for there was not a house without someone dead. That's strong stuff. The point, if you refuse to put God first, it does not stop God from being first. It only releases the devourer upon you and your family. It releases the curse upon every part of your life that's not redeemed. The only way out is redemption through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Consider the law of first fruits in its resurrection of Jesus and how it affects you. Romans eleven sixteen. St. Paul writes concerning the Jewish people, for if the first fruit is holy, Say that? If the first fruit is holy, he's talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob there. The whole lump is holy. The lump was Israel. Paul was saying God has not cast away his people. Romans 11.1, God hasn't. Paul gives his credentials as a, as, a, as a Jewish person. And he said, God is using me, and if God is using me, he certainly hasn't cast the Jewish people away. Hello, replacement theologians, you are preaching a false doctrine. The love of God has not been withdrawn from Israel. The love of God is still with Israel. For he who blesses Israel will be blessed, and those who curse Israel will experience the judgment of God. I promise you, Iran, you're about to find that out. Firstfruits found its prophetic fulfillment in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15:20 says, "Now Christ is risen from the grave, listen, and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep." Follow these facts. The first fruits sanctifies what follows. Jesus rose from the dead on the 3rd day. That was in April the 16th, which was the first day of first fruits. It is the resurrection, his resurrection guarantees your resurrection and my resurrection. Because he lives, we shall also live. Listen, if the resurrection was the only message Christianity had, It would make Christianity the greatest message on planet Earth because we are not moving. God bless us all. When you pass 80, you start thinking things like this. We're not moving to oblivion where we will never be. We're moving toward perfection. We're going to a land where there is no death, there is no suffering, there is no back rub, there is no sore anything. You're just living in a great and perfect world. Hallelujah, forever and forever. (laughs) Consider the law of first fruits and the fall of Jericho. Hurriedly. 430 years of slavery in Egypt was followed by 40 years of the heat and created in the desert. When Joshua was their leader, God released a plan that would begin the conquest of the Holy Land. Think of Jericho as first fruits. It was the first fruit that stood between Israel and the Promised Land. Whatever is done with the first determines what happens with the rest. God made it clear that he was giving them Jericho. They would not have to fight for it because God was going to fight for them. There was only one thing forbidden, the gold and the silver of Jericho. Joshua 6, 18 and 19 reads, And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things. But all of the gold and the silver and the vessels and the bronze and the irons consecrate to the Lord. They shall come to the treasury of the Lord because Israel fully understood the law of first fruits. They understood that Jericho was first fruit of many seasons, of many cities that they would conquer. All of the wealth of Jericho belonged to the Lord. Everyone got the message but one man Achan. Achan laid down in his tent that night and said, There are millions of dollars right over there. Just waiting for me to go over there and pick them up gold and silver, beautiful clothes. All of these suckers here are just keeping all these rules. He slipped out of his tent, went into that forbidden, forbidden city. He stole the things that belonged to God, brought it back to his tent, buried it, put it under his bedroll, put his hands behind his head, and said, I'm rich! And all these suckers are broke around me. The next day, Israel goes out to fight an insignificant army at Ai. They are defeated. Joshua says, God, what's the matter? God said, get up, their sin in the camp. Brother, when there's sin in the camp, God will let you know about it. Be sure your sin will find you out. They started searching tent by tent. They came through the 11 tribes and they came to his tent. Joshua commanded Achan in Joshua 7, 19. Achan, give God the glory. In other words, he knew he had the stolen goods. What was the results? They didn't say, oh, would you please give it back? They took Achan, his wife, his sons, his daughters, his livestock, stoned him to death and burned them to an ash to put sin out of Israel. You say, that's the law. The law has never lost its truth. You do not take what belongs to God without suffering a consequence. Have you stolen what belongs to the Lord? Think about this. The actions of one man affected a nation. Because of his disobedience, the entire nation of Israel suffered the consequences. They had to deal with the aching factor before they could get back to the blessing. If the church is one body fitly joined together, then the individual of one or two or a group of people can affect the whole body. If one man can affect two million, one man can affect ten, ten can affect a hundred, a hundred can infect a church, and suddenly the will and, of, and the mission of God are aborted. If your mind and your will is contrary to this word and God's will, You change your mind or the judgment of God will come to you. God bless you over there, brother. (laughs) The law of first fruits and tithing, tithing is first fruits. God says, if you don't give it, we've come to a point of judgment. But the point is, he says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, In what way have we robbed you in tithe and offerings? And then what does he say? You don't ever hear this in church. God said, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. God takes it first. He said, that's the Old Testament. There's nothing about the Old Testament that died. The Old Testament is God's will concealed. The New Testament is God's will revealed. The tithe is 10%. When redemptive work is in process, 10 will always be in play. It took 10 plagues for God to destroy Egypt. It took 10 commandments to, li- to deliver us from evil by the 10 commandments God gave Moses. The 10th part of your increase points to the redemption of your income. But is it possible to give 10% of your income and not give the first fruit? If I stack 10 $100 bills here, I'm not, because this is the low-budget illustration. If one of those $100 bills represent my income, how many of these do I give to the Lord to pay my tithe? What's the number? Somebody please say one. God bless you. (laughs) The question is, which dollar represents my tithe? That's it, the first one. You don't say, well, here we are, the mortgage, the car note, the light bill, the shampoo for the poodle, and God is last. God does not get what's last. He gets the first fruits of your tithe. Moving toward the close. When your seed leaves your hand, it goes into your future. It never leaves your life. Did you know that as Christians concerning investment, we have the ability to do what no one else can do. Wall Street cannot do this. When you die without Christ, everything you are going to see is in that casket with you. But when you die as a dedicated Christian, everything that you have given to the Kingdom of God, you're going to see on the other side. The Bible says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where the thieves are not there. The IRS doesn't get it before you do. That's the John Hagee Living Version. Of that text. When you get to heaven your robe is going to be a portrait made of the righteous acts of the saints. It's important to remember that this life merges into the next life and what you have done in this life regard to faithfulness especially in giving is going to be known. In the Old Testament, Moses told the children of Israel to bring their offering to the priest because it was anointed hands. In the New Testament, Jesus told the disciples to bring the lunch of the boy with five loaves and two fishes to him because they were anointed hands. He blessed. It multiplied. It met the need. And in the end, there were 12 baskets left over. Today, Pastor, would you please come? Today, we're going to give you the opportunity to give a first fruits offering to further the ministry that God is prospering under the leadership of this great man of God. I don't know what your plans are for the property next door. But I assure you, you've got a spiritual general here who is hearing from God about the future. And he's has the ability to lead where God is taking you. He is a fabulous shepherd. Would you welcome, please, the man of God, Dr. Morocco. I hope the word encouraged you. Thank you so much for joining us here on the King Central Podcast. God bless you. Walk in power and walk in the fullness of that which God has given you.